0: morning it's great to see you all this morning open your Bibles with me to first Thessalonians chapter 4 first Thessalonians chapter 4 and uh, it's good to look out and see each one of you and uh, we're continuing on in this uh, this letter to this fledgling church just got started hadn't been going long and Paul is just encouraging them and letting them know how uh, vital and important it is that they continue in the faith uh, to endure. And so I want us to notice, uh, beginning in verse 9 today, that Paul continues on to talk about how believers should live our lives in ways that please God. Last week we looked at that thought uh, where he says there in verse 9, Uh, one how we ought to walk and to please God just as you are doing that you do so more and more so he's continuing to talk about how we do that last week what we looked at as we looked at uh, we noticed God's desire and design for sexual purity and holiness that he wants us to walk in holiness that word uh, means to be set apart for god all right to be set apart for god we are children of god we are believers in god and so what are we to do we're to live our lives in a way that distinctively looks like we are children of god that's who we are all right and so we're to represent that. We're to look that way. So last week he dealt with sexual purity and holiness and he continues on in the vein of holiness Uh, but this time we look and we see some practical things that he's going to lay out and how we can live these truths out. It should be noted however that uh, one of the huge themes of 1 Thessalonians is that Jesus Christ is coming again all right he's going to deal with that a lot in the next chapter and uh actually in this chapter and the next chapter the rest of the letter uh, huge portion of what he's dealing with and some of that comes into today's lesson a little bit these people are are expecting. I mean, while he was there, we've we, we, we've talked about that he wasn't there long. He was there for a short period of time, perhaps only uh, about three months there in Thessalonica before they had to leave. All right, uh, Paul and his party they had to leave, and so they were there for a short time. But in that short time, Paul uh, taught them some things, and one of the particular things he seems to have dealt with was that Jesus Christ will return. He's coming back to receive his own, all right? And so Paul had, uh, had laid that truth out. Well, something happened, it seems. After they had this and all these terrible things were going on, they were being stoned, they were being beaten, they were being thrown into prison. I mean, that's why Paul sent Timothy back to find out, see if they're enduring, and they are, okay? Uh. But there's one thing that seems to be happening is that they're kind of being a little lax in uh, in working and taking care of their business and Paul's correcting that and he's putting it all under the heading of brotherly love all right and so I want us to see that today so Paul adds a reason. Remember what what was the reason before? What did he already say? That we ought to walk in a particular way and be pleasing to God. And here he's saying another reason. It's there at the end of uh, of the section. In uh, chapter 4, verse 12. So that you may walk properly before outsiders... And be dependent upon no one. Okay? So there's there's the reason. Here's here's why you ought to live your life in a particular way. Here's, Here's how you ought to live as believers. And you need to do so because it's pleasing to God. And it's a testimony and witness to those who are outside. So I've entitled today, Our Witness and Testimony Before a Watching World. Okay, so how we live our lives uh, should not only be pleasing to God, but also should be a testimony to the world outside of us. Hey, they're a bit different. That ought to be said about believers. We are a bit different. We do think differently. We live differently. We believe differently. We have morals that are different. Well, we ought to. And that's what Paul is pointing to so I want us to look at that today and I want us to uh two points okay two points everybody gets hopeful when I say two points understand I got four underneath each one of those okay all right so two points the first point is this how how is it that we live in this way to be a testimony before people first of all brotherly love all right That's the first thing that we're going to talk about, brotherly love. If you are going to show a watching world that you believe in Jesus Christ, you need to be able to love your brother and your sister in Christ. Did y'all hear that last part? In Christ. Okay? I got a brother, all right? And I want you to know, Just because I have a brother by blood, my relationship with you by spirit is stronger and greater and more. Blood may be thicker than water, but it ain't thicker than the Spirit of God. You're my family by the Spirit of God. And so uh, we, we need to see that brotherly love. Man, you know how people will know? Jesus said, you know how they'll know that you're children of God? By the way you love one another. By the way you love one another. Do y'all know that's Jesus' evangelism strategy? By this, every man will know that you are my disciples. How? If you love, have love for one another. That's his evangelism strategy. Love each other. Love people that are like-minded. Love people that have been redeemed. Certainly that's not the end of it, but that's certainly a big portion of it. If Christians love one another. So that's the first thing. We'll deal with brotherly love. The next thing is, is that as believers, if we are going to be witnesses and a testimony before a watching world, we need to establish godly goals. We need to establish godly goals. Paul says there in in, in chapter 4, I have to bend a page or something, and it says in verse 11, and to aspire to live quietly, aspirations, ambitions, goals. We need to have godly goals. And so these are the two things I want us to look at today. First of all, let's look at brotherly love. It says in verse 9, Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. Let's stop right there. Now concerning brotherly love, he starts out that way. He introduces the subject, and he says, I don't need to write anything about that. Isn't that an interesting way to to jump into that, that particular topic? I don't really need to write anything to you about that. I I spoke of that, I taught you about that, but here's something else I want you to understand. I don't need to talk about that because God has taught you about loving one another. God has taught you this. So no instruction needed, Paul says. But he spends a lot of time there. As a matter of fact, two verses there uh, in that. So I want to kind of look at this and and notice what he says. He appears to actually make up a word uh, in the Greek, all right? The word is translated, uh, you yourselves have been taught by God, all right? God has taught you. That's a Greek word in the New Testament, and it's not anywhere else in the New Testament. That Greek word can't be found any time before Paul uses it here in the New Testament. And it's used very few times afterward, all right? After Paul uses it in other Greek literature. So a lot of scholars think, hey, you know what? Paul made up a word. (laughs) And what he did, it seems, is he took a couple of words out of the Hebrew and put them together and made one word, uh, particularly uh, the word for teach and the word for God. So God taught, and it's all one Greek word. It kind of pushes back and maybe alludes back to uh, the Old Testament prophecies concerning the New Covenant and some of the promises that God made in reference to the New Covenant. Uh, Let me uh, consider this going back to the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 54, look with me there if you will. Isaiah 54. Y'all have to excuse me because evidently I didn't mark it. So I have to find it too. All the Bible drillers would beat me, by the way. I mean, they wouldn't beat me up. They would just beat me in the competition of finding Isaiah 54 first. Uh, uh, And so let me look at this, Isaiah 54. Uh, Look with me at verse 13. There in verse 13 he says, All your children shall be taught by the Lord. And great shall be the peace of your children. What a wonderful, wonderful verse. Isn't that beautiful? And your children shall be taught by the Lord. Man, we got the new covenant going on here. we got something talking about the new covenant. That's what he's looking at. So the new children, by the way. Y'all know who those people are? I mean, all you have to do is say, it's us. All right? We're the new children. Your children shall be taught by the Lord. You know, when you think about this, we need to understand, I mean, God teaching us, this is what I'm like. This is who I am. This is my instruction to you. Perhaps we look over at Jeremiah Isaiah, Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 31. And we see uh, some similar language there. Jeremiah 31. Look with me at verse 33. Specifically says the word covenant here. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. And specifically, he's talking in the New Covenant, I'm going to put the law on their hearts. Now now think about this, okay? All right, let's stay in the Old Testament for a moment. Go back before Jeremiah, back to Mount Sinai, Moses up there, God saying, hey, Moses, I want to give you something. And so God takes his finger in a rock and he writes out, the Decalogue, or the Ten Commandments. And Moses says, okay, here's the law of God. So he goes walking down the mountain. He gets down there. Here's a ruckus. They built a god, okay? By the way, the, 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 the golden calf that they built was the god who brought them out of Egypt. That's what they said, all right? So they built an image of the god who brought them out of Egypt. That's bad, all right? That's bad, all right? So Moses hears that, comes down, takes the law, throws it, breaks the tablets, has to go back. God said, I ain't writing it this time. You chisel it out. (laughs) He gave it in tablets of stone, but now he's given it on the tablet of the heart of those who trust in him, those who believe him. God teaches us. Paul's saying, I I don't need to give you instruction. You're already doing it. He says that too. Look there in in 1 Thessalonians. He said, I don't need, nobody needs to write. You've been taught by God to love one another. And then verse 10, for that indeed is what you are doing. He keeps saying that. Have y'all noticed that? He keeps saying that throughout this. Man, you're already doing this. Keep doing it. You're already doing it. Do some more. And so it's already evident that you love the brothers. I don't want to teach you about it. Matter of fact, I could take some lessons from you and say that, but I mean, that's what's going on. Man, that's what you're doing to to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. Looking back to to chapter 1, he talks about how their testimony is going out to all of Macedonia. That you're already loving the brothers. I know you're doing it. The Lord's teaching you that. Love one another. God is our teacher. You know, I just want to just take a just a, a moment here, just as as pastor to just kind of echo, can can i can I be an echo of Paul? For just a moment, can I just echo what Paul is saying to you? For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers here at Westwood. Can I just say that? Here's what I want you to hear. Okay? I think God notices. And I, as your pastor, notice how much you love each other i see it i see it day in and day out i i, I see it when somebody calls up hey brother rick did you know no i didn't i, I didn't know that thanks for calling so i'll, I'll call up whoever they said that they're sick or or struggling or hurting By the way, as your pastor, and you're hurting, and you need prayer, and you need somebody to talk to, you need you, you need me to to help you somehow. Call me. If you don't have my number, you stop me after after church here, and you you get my number. Okay. One thing I don't don't don't. I'm not rebuking anyone, okay? But I've heard this before. And I'm your pastor and I love you. And, man, you can call me anytime. Don't say, well, Brother Rick, I put it on Facebook. That don't help me, okay? you got to be a brother that looks at it a lot. Call me. But let me just say, I see you love each other. You call each other. You help each other. You pray for each other. You spend time together. You celebrate together. You pray for each other. You gather to read the Bible together. That's loving your brother and your sister in Christ. That's good. And it's right. And it's holy. It's set apart from what the world does. Love one another. That's what he's saying. Here's a life that pleases God. When you love each other, when you make known to the world, the living God, the truth of Jesus Christ, you make known to them that you're my disciples. Do you know how you make it known? You love each other, and you do. And I think our community notices, and I think we notice also, love one another. So we see that Paul says, brotherly love is one way that we become witnesses and a testimony before a watching world. Secondly, I want us to look and I want us to see that we should establish godly goals. Paul says, we urge you to do this more and more. I mean, just Paul's right there. He's talking about that loving one another. Keep doing that. He, he says this again. He says it before. You know, walk in this way. You're already doing it. Keep doing it. Do it more and more. You're Loving one another keep loving one another more and more Keep caring for each other. Keep uh, praying for one another. keep loving one another And in verse 11 he says and to aspire to live quietly to mind your own affairs and To work with your hands as we instructed you So that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. These aspirations are good and holy, and preparation for the coming of the Lord. Y'all may remember that I mentioned that. You know, Paul evidently taught them quite a bit about that. And uh, over in uh, here in the passages after this, he's fixing to say, "I want you to don't want you to be informed about those who are asleep." Why is he saying that? These people were afraid. The Lord is, What if the Lord comes and my, my husband died? What if the Lord comes? Paul said, don't worry, they're going to get there before we are. He's letting them know. But do you know what they're doing, it seems? It seems that at least some of them have become idle. Okay? They're just sitting back waiting for Jesus to come. All right? You all 'all ever do that? Just kind of hang back and say, well, Jesus is coming. And so they're not working. Because they're not working, they're getting in everybody else's business, all right? And they're stirring up trouble. They got idle hands. They're waiting on Jesus to come. Have you all heard the stories of people? Man, Jesus is coming, and they go build a bunker and wait. Usually they have to pull them out of those bunkers all emaciated and everything It's not because the Lord's not coming It's just that's not the work we're to be doing while we wait We're to be busy We're to be faithful. We're to be set apart. We're to live holy And so Paul lays that out he says men y'all love each other and here's some ways that you can love one another As you wait for the coming of the Lord. And so, let's look at those things. First of all, he says, he says, to aspire to live quietly. You know, about three years ago, Gina and I sold our house here in Palestine and bought a little place up near Pointer. It's nice and quiet peaceful. We've been working on the house. Not near fast enough. We've been getting it ready. But on a nice morning like today, you walk out, it was 66 degrees. You get a cup of coffee, you go out there, and you just sit there. It's kind of like quiet. Can't hear any road noise. Got a dog barking every once in a while. Somebody's got a rooster. we got some chickens over there. Somebody just laid an egg. It's
1: nice
0: and peaceful and quiet. That's not what Paul's talking about. It's not what he's talking about. It's nice, but we're to live quietly among outsiders. But what does that mean? How how does it mean to live quietly? Aspire to do this. Let me give you four thoughts on this. this. This word is actually used five times in the New Testament. And I think at least four of those times are very helpful in this context to help us to understand what it means to live quietly. Uh, First, look with me at Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. In Luke 14, we find that Jesus is a Sabbath day, and and he is uh, at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, and they got their eye on him. That's the the scene that Luke sets up. They've got their eye on Jesus. What's he going to do? What's he thinking about? We want to find out. So, we see here in in chapter 14 of Luke that Jesus looks at the lawyers. There's a man there who has dropsy. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and Pharisees saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? Look what it says. But they remained silent. Live quietly. Here they were not being self-incriminating, I guess you would say. That's something that the the Pharisees were doing. Jesus asked this question, and they were quiet. In, In other words, they didn't have an answer. To live quietly, I believe, is if you don't have an answer, don't give an answer. Don't stir something up. If you don't know, these guys were, I, actually, I think that was a pretty smart move on their part. I mean, who's going to answer that question? Hey, is it right to heal on the Sabbath or not? Well, these guys have been teaching forever that it's not. So if they say, sure it is, they go against their own teaching. If they say no, it's kind of like, you don't care about this guy? Right? So it's it's used in this way. They're silent. Luke points to their silence. Now, their silence angered Jesus. They knew the right answer. And that's really where we need to go. It's not so much about being quiet, it's if you know the truth, speak the truth. What's highlighted here is their unwillingness to say what was obvious. Of course. It's okay to heal on the Sabbath. Of course, if we're going to live quietly, don't be afraid to speak what you know is the truth. Quiet doesn't mean, hey, let's keep my opinion to myself. That's not what Paul say. Instead, what we see here is we need to be quiet like in Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. It's used again here. In Acts 11, we see that it is being used with Peter reporting to the church. He's telling them that, hey, the Gentiles believed. All right? The Gentiles, they believed. And so in verse... Two of chapter 11 it says so when Peter went up to Jerusalem the circumcision party criticized him saying you went to the uncircumcised men and ate with them and so Peter explained to them you know what let me tell you about this let me tell you the whole story this is what happened you know I went over there God told me to go over there told me to go with these guys I went there I, I told them all these things I spoke the gospel to them And in verse 17, we see this. Verse 17 of Acts chapter 11. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? And when they, that's the circumcision party that criticized them before, when they heard these things, they fell silent. They fell silent. They couldn't argue with the testimony. They couldn't argue with what God had done. All right? And so it says, they fell silent. And they glorified God, saying, then do the Gentiles, also God has granted repentance that leads to life. They were silent. Man, we don't have any more criticism. What do we have instead? We're going to rejoice. All right? So this silence is this, uh, is this segue into saying, I don't have an argument against that. Not only that, man. God has clearly spoken and said, "Salvation is for the Gentiles." So that quiet turned to speaking the truth. The next place we see is Acts chapter twenty-one. Acts chapter twenty-one. It's used again, and Paul uh, is on his way to Jerusalem, and and some guy gets up. He's a prophet. And he's, he, he takes uh, uh, Paul's belt and he says, man, you know what, they're going to they're bind him like this. And all the others, they're, they're trying to keep Paul from going to Jerusalem. They know he's going to die. They know he's going to be arrested. And in verse 13 of Acts 21, then Paul answered, what are you doing weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded... We ceased and said, let the will of the Lord be done. We we stopped. We ceased. That's the word. We ceased. We stopped trying to persuade him. We were just silent. Paul's made up his mind. Let's pray for Paul. And let's pray that the Lord's will would be done. All right? And then it's used here again there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Where... Uh, He speaks and he says, uh, aspire to live quietly. Aspire to live quietly. You know, that doesn't mean that we sit back and just let things pass. It means that we speak the truth of God. It means that we admit when we're wrong. And it means that we walk among people in a way that is pleasing to God by saying, you know what, I don't know everything, but here's what the Word of God says. And if I'm going to speak, I'm going to speak what the Word of God says. And so he's saying, live quiet. Don't stir up trouble, basically. what. Don't beg for trouble. Live quietly he follows that with mind your own affairs to live quietly and mind your own affairs you know social media makes that hard because everybody puts their stuff out there i do look at it enough to see that junk okay kind of like can you believe this (laughs) did you see what somebody said Purple men are coming down to earth. You know, I don't know if they said that, but if somebody said it, man, it'd go viral. You know, I know the lingo. (laughs) Okay. It would go viral. Everybody'd go, Did you see this? Don't be that way. Don't be like that. Don't be persuaded in those ways. Live quietly. And by the way, don't take everything that someone says as truth. Man, all these conspiracy theories going on and all this stuff. Well, this is going to happen and that's going to happen. And man, I tell you what, it's all going to fall apart and everything like that. Folks, the Bible says it's all going to fall apart. Of course it is. Of course it's all going to come apart. Peter says it's all going to burn up. My point is, Be more faithful in speaking the gospel of Christ than repeating things that are more than likely nonsense. Be faithful to speak the gospel of Christ. He says, live quietly. Don't stir things up. Mind your own affairs. That's the other side of things, by the way. You don't have to get into somebody else's business. You know what? You got enough business you need to take care of without minding somebody else's business. That's kind of what's going on here. It says, don't be a busybody. Mind your own affairs. I got two things here. One is swayed back over toward that live quietly. Okay. In other words, don't uh, don't stir things up. Okay? And one way we do that is we're a busybody. We're in everybody else's business. You know? Like, Brother Rick, my uncle's cousin in law thinks that in order to be saved, you have to balance a nickel on your nose. You know? I'm giving a ridiculous thought here, okay? To keep from saying something that people have actually said. And I've tried to tell them that balancing a nickel on their nose will not save them, but they don't believe me. Oh, what exactly do you want me to do? Tell them, move on. If you've told them the truth of the gospel and they still believe that if you balance a nickel on your nose, God will save you, move on. But I've got it. No, you don't. Move on. Hear the word of the Lord. Let them hear the word of the Lord. If they don't believe it, they don't believe it. Move on. You say, man, that's kind of harsh, Brother Rick. It's me. might be a little bit harsh. Sometimes we need a little bit harsh. Move on. It's none of your business. What does it say here? He says, mind your own affairs. Live quietly. You're not living quietly. You're getting in their business. If you've told them the truth and they want to believe nonsense, you're not going to keep them from believing nonsense. Only God is going to do that. Y'all realize that, right? Only God's going to change their heart and their mind. Only God. And so, mind your own affairs, but not only that, so don't be a busybody, all right? Don't do that. But I think also we can point it in the other direction because on the other side of mind your own affairs, work with your hands. Take care of your business, all right? Pay your bills, right? Don't go into debt. My neighbor, they got them a new car. I sure wish I had me a new Don't do it. Don't do what your neighbor did. They'll never get it paid for. Mind your own affairs. Pay your bills. Take care of your, your property. Wash your car. Unless you live on a dirt road and then just rinse it off every once in a while, all right? Personal experience. Mind your effect, take care of business. Your business. Somebody else's business. Paul's saying, you want to live set apart? Don't be gossiping and being a busybody about everybody else's stuff. Make sure you're taking care of your own stuff. Make sure you're taking care of your business. Make sure you're walking in the truth of the Word of God, not somebody else's. Take care of your stuff, your bills, your property, your family. Make sure your kids are behaving properly. Thought I was going to leave that out, didn't you? Make sure your kids are doing the right thing. Make sure you're teaching them the truth of God. They have proper manners. It's a new generation that needs to know and love the Lord. Take care of your kids. Man, Do you see old Joe's boy down there? Ain't nobody Joe in here, is there? Did y'all see old Joe's boy down there? Did y'all see what he was doing? <laughs> yeah i saw what your boy was doing over what yeah that's happened that's happened make sure your children are coming up knowing the lord mind your own affairs but not only that he says now close with this he said mind your work with your hands as we instructed you I think all these are wrapped up in that one, because if you're working with your hands, you're probably not being a busybody. If you're working with your hands, you're probably not minding somebody else's affairs. You're busy taking care of your own affairs. Work is a good thing. Did y'all hear me say that, by the way? Hey, kids, young people, teenagers, man, if you're five or six or seven or eight, y'all listen to me, okay? Work is good, all right? Work is a good thing. To get your hands dirty, to go and to do something, to make money so that you can take care of yourself. Work is good. Do y'all know when work, y'all know how work came to be? Anybody? You know? I know. I'll tell you, okay? I'm gonna answer first. Raised my hand first. Thank you, okay? Here, God invented work. I mean, he said, man, I'm gonna put a garden over here, I'm gonna put the man in it so he'll have something to do. That was before the man sinned. Work is a pre-fall condition. It is pre-fall. It's before sin came into the world. God said, work. I think after everything's over with and all is said and done, we're going to have some work to do in the presence of God. Hallelujah. That's good. I think work is good. The Bible says work is a good thing. And so as we look at this, it says, work with God. Your hands, it's established by God. Work is good. Hey, young people, work is good. Don't let anybody tell you, you know. You know what, I can sit back here and just kind of coast, and somebody else will take care of me. Matter of fact, that's exactly what Paul says don't do. He says, work with your hands so that you may. Why? Why Why should I work with my hands? So that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one be dependent on no one. So work is how families are fed and economies are built and survive. Work is not something to be avoided, but work is something to be yearned for. Uh, work is uh, doesn't merely create income; it also prevents idle hands from striving for sin. Because I want you to know that's what we will do. I mean, as as people, we will strive for sin. So work, it's an important factor so that you're not depending on someone. This is brotherly. How's this brotherly love, Rick? How is me working and and making a living and all this stuff brotherly love? It's brotherly love because your brothers don't have to take care of you. That's that's what he's saying here. It's brotherly love because somebody else doesn't have to work extra to make sure that you get fed. That's what's going on here. Wait a minute, aren't we supposed to share everything? Yeah! People who are believers in work. If you don't work, guess what you don't have? Something to share. Right? Right? You don't have anything to share if you don't work. I'm on my tiptoes. I think I'll step down now. Work—that's what he's saying. The Old Testament covers this. Can I just throw a couple of proverbs out and I'll be done? I just like these proverbs. I like that God, he puts it in there and he says, you know, work is this big deal and it's this good thing and it's something that we need to do. And here's what you need to do, okay? If you can't get the concept of work, I want you to do something. I want you to go outside and I want you to find a little ant bed and I want you to work to watch those ants work. Okay? Uh, Proverbs 6, 6. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, ain't nobody telling her what to do, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Man, it's like, go look at the ant. You want to see what work is like? Go look at the ant. Folks, I got this place right by my driveway, dirt driveway, sand mostly, okay? And I'm driving down that driveway, and you can, if you're coming into the property, you can look off to the left just after some bushes, and there is an ant colony the size of my truck. All right? This thing's huge, and they built that in like two days. All right? It's enormous. Those ants know how to work. In other words, God's saying, hey, you know what? Work is a good thing. You want a, you want a good example? Look at the ant. I love that proverb. Uh, another one is uh, Proverbs 18. Really short, verse 9. Whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. Whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. Or maybe this other one, verse uh, chapter 24 of Proverbs, verse 24. Whoever says... That's the wrong one. I was going to read one that I underlined. How about this? I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man kind of like the ants not, consi- uh, not convincing enough. Look at this garden. They built a wall around it at one time, but somebody didn't keep it. Now all the wall's falling down, and everything is trampled. Every- it doesn't produce anything anymore. Folks, Paul is saying, I want you to know, as Christians, as believers in Jesus Christ, as those who live to please God and walk in a particular way, what we want to do is we want to live quietly, Uh, in the sense that we are not stirring up trouble and we want to uh, uh, mind our own affairs. In other words, we want to take care of our business and we want to stay out of everybody else's. And we want to work because we want to be faithful not only to provide for our families, but we want to be able to give to those who truly are in need and we want to be able to give to those who are taking the gospel all over the world we want to be generous and we want to be faithful and we want to live in a particular way and that is a way that is set apart living in brotherly love and living by godly goals that are pleasing to him and an example a witness and a testimony to the world around us let's pray father we want to thank you lord for the goodness of your word Uh, The great teaching, Lord, that we receive from it as we just read and uh, absorb, Lord, all that's here. Father, we want to thank you, Lord, that you give us uh, easy examples like the ant. Uh, That you give us uh, great teachers like Paul and particularly your Holy Spirit teaching us your will and your word. And, Father, from your word, Lord, we learn to love one another. And, Lord, I see a congregation who's doing that beautifully. And so, God, I pray that you would help them and that you would use them, Lord, mightily, Lord, to set an example wherever they are out in the uh, community, Lord, whether it be at the park or their workplace, wherever they are, Lord, I pray that they would set the example of being believers in Jesus Christ. Not in a way, Lord, uh, that displeases you, but pleases you, Lord. And Father, that sets an example where the world looks and they see, hey, they're different. And they may not like that, but they notice they're different. Lord, we want to thank you for allowing us to be instruments in your hand to make known the gospel of Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Would you stand with me? As we leave here today, this final song reminds us that our authority is in Scripture alone and that we are justified by grace alone, through faith alone and Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. Let's sing together. alone we're justified his righteousness is all our plea your lost demands are satisfied his perfect work has I HIDE GOD'S WORD IN YOUR HEART.